Howdy, partners, and welcome to another humdinging edition of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. I I am Reese. I'm still Reese. I'm not American, and proud to be English. Um, and I am joined today by Dan, who is ashamed of Reese's behaviour, and Tim, who has been ashamed of Reese's behaviour for longer than I've known Reese. I've been ashamed of both of you for a long time, so we're all ashamed of each other. Uh, not, but not as ashamed of as we are with the FIA. Yeah, but, and of other oh, things. Oh, it's starting early, Tim. Starting with the jabs, me like have that. FIA. I'm ready. I'm fighting. Let's go. <laughs> He's fighting. It's we're looking. We're looking for the uh, the panorama on a. Uh, on Tim here, like like he's gonna he's gonna properly rip into someone tonight. You can feel it. He's gonna have like a full in depth research of which we will immediately rebuff like last week. Well, where was he this week? Um, eighth? No, no, oh, no. Shit, he's sixth now, isn't he? Fuck. No, he wasn't. Was he sixth or was he fourth in the end? Goodness knows. Have any more people been disqualified since we last checked? <laughs> uh, only the two. Only the two. Well, um, should we start off with reviewing the, the the race weekend? I guess qualifying. I enjoyed it. Actual qualifying. Don't know if I enjoyed it so because Friday I was in the pub. Qualifying we're talking Fri- about. Friday qualifying. Don't know if I enjoyed it because I was in the pub or because I saw Verstappen spin out and not get pole position. <laughs> Whilst... And get his lap time deleted. Oh, that was quite funny. When was <laughs> blaming Perez for his own lap time getting deleted. I'm sorry. How dare Perez try and better his position like how, how dare he does he not know who he is how dare max verstappen not understand what was going to happen when perez is giving him a toe and he's that much faster than perez he must know he's going to catch him up through those final corners but perez wasn't on a fast lap perez was starting a fast lap oh was this one he? yeah perez well, was starting so perez didn't tow him through that whole sector it was the fact that perez had been in the queue to start his final lap of that session and had taken so long that he then created that yeah for Max as he accelerated through the final corner. Uh, accidentally on purpose. Yeah, accidentally yeah. on purpose. Accidentally on purpose. I mean, more to the point, that's on Red Bull then for sending Max up when he was going to catch a train of cars. Well, controversial, but apparently, I haven't seen any timing for it, Perez's lap on that outlap was slower than the minimum lap time from the FIA. Whose was so, so, so Red Bull had calculated it correctly. Well, and... the, the minimum lap time, yes, but the problem is, and we've all seen this throughout the last six or seven race weekends now consistently, is that the minimum lap time means absolutely nothing, because all you have to do is move out of the way of one car and you can go as slow as you want. Well, I think they take it to mini sectors, don't they? They look at would you have reached the minimum lap time if you weren't moving out of the way in all the other sectors. And he wasn't punished, so I think we can safely assume, correct, he would have. He was punished because it meant their lord and saviour Max Verstappen didn't get on pole and I'm sure Red Bull will punish him in their own way for that. What do you mean by not letting him go back to the Barcelona spec chassis? <laughs> but to be uh, fair, did it matter? Man still won. He struggled a little bit, but he still won. Did he struggle or did he just preserve his tyres in the first stint better than everyone else? Well, uh, he preserved the, the underside of his car better than at least two other drivers. That we know of. Well, we I was about to say, do we know who the other two drivers were that were scrutinised? Uh, yeah, it because was Verstappen and Norris. Oh, so, so it was that's why they're four. saying, that's why there was, no, what, what, no, because Leclerc was sixth. Of course he was. Sorry, he started on pole, so of course he finished sixth. Well, yeah, I mean, th- this is the thing. From Friday, we shouldn't know Verstappen was going to win just because Charles Leclerc qualified on pole position. 
little statistic there, Reese. You put out a little bit of a little bit of a gem. Max Verstappen has won more races from Charles Leclerc pole positions than Charles Leclerc has won from Charles Leclerc pole positions. Yeah, do you want do you want to know the percentage? Leclerc's conversion rate from pole to win is nineteen percent. There's that for you. <laughs> when you compare that to Charles Leclerc polls to what Verstappen wins are from Charles Leclerc polls, it's probably the remaining eighty one percent. Yeah, I'm just thinking if there are any others. Has Carlos Carlos has won two races from pole? I'm trying to think who was on pole at Silverstone last year, if it was Charles or not. No, that was Carlos. Oh, of course it was first pole, first win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hamilton might have won a few from. Yeah, Hamilton's won won at least one because of the Bahrain race when the Ferrari had the oil the oil burning engine. Oh yes, yeah. Um, but it's anyway qualifying was good itself. We've had two weeks in a row, the the one hour of practice, and I really think it adds some jeopardy, only having that one hour of practice before your race qualifying. I agree. I still feel like it should be an hour and a half practice on a sprint weekend. Yeah, I could agree with that. But one only one session before qualifying, and if they're looking to reduce costs and lift, reduce running and reduce amounts of tyres used across the weekend and across the season, then less practice, more action sessions. Yep. Um, I mean, it makes sense. The the other thing, of course, with having you know a spring, I, I find it get what the American was on about because when we've had all these European sprint races, he's complained. He's complained that sprint qualifying is far too early. He's not going to watch it because it's too early, and you know, and if he works during the day on a Saturday, he's missing the race. You know, a lot of people don't work weekends, so I can understand that, but. The sprint race started at 11 o'clock at night in the UK. For me, I watched it instead of watched it, but I can understand for some people why that is just too late and why they might want to look at what we discussed. <laughs> if anyone from the FIA ever listens to this podcast, um, which is, you know, just condensing that gap between sprint qualifying and sprint race. I think it because it's regional, it obviously throws up different different issues, doesn't it, on having it. It might be like super late out there, like super late here, like super early there, super early here. Um, but I think they definitely need to look at like how it's going to affect everybody in the like their like their core main audiences to make it like more accessible to everybody else. And if you are going to do it at a stupid time, you should make it free on their like YouTube channel, the FIA, not FIA, the uh, Formula One YouTube channel or stuff like that, like so it can be watched back the next day do you know what i mean to make it like more accessible to everybody i like that idea making the sprint races more accessible to people especially while it's in this i guess it is i know it's is it the third season we've had them or the second season it's second the, season i think it's the season i think it's the second season all i know is there are more it's the first season of this format yeah yeah yeah, but it's, um, I think it's the third season overall i'm sure it's 2021 was the first season with them i think so too um because i think i think think, that like having it replayed on youtube like the day after or say like six hours or something after so like whoever's watched it has watched it whoever hasn't watched it can catch up with it it might give him that drive to survive kind of feel because it's only an hour um of of the sprint race you don't need to give him all all the qualifying before none of that stuff like you know just straight in on the sprint race um it might pull people in but like oh like what's you know what's the rest of it about but just a thought, you know. Yeah, I, I think that I, I genuinely think that's a really good idea. Uh, 
quite rare on this podcast. Um. <laughs> I think we have lots of good ideas, Tim. It's just you're usually up a hill and can't hear them. <laughs> Tim just talks to the sheep. He did, converses with the, uh, the animal life to uh, to get all his rants out. I, I do indeed, because uh, <laughs> I've, I've got no defence here. Um, I'm all for I'm all for late Sunday night races because it means I can't be walking up mountains. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of the in terms of the uh, what were we going? We were going on the qualifying for the Grand Prix. Are we going back there? Or? Well, we've done qualifying for the Grand Prix, qualifying for the race, qualifying for the sprint then. Oh, sorry, for the sprint race, right, yeah. So, yeah. So I've got no defence for that, but qualifying for so should we move on to the next session? Qualifying for the sprint race. Yep, we'll talk about qualifying for sprint race. Um, I mean, there wasn't really much to talk about. It was what we expected qualifying to be. You know, if Verstappen hadn't spun, how's that time deleted? Yeah, Verstappen led that and then led the sprint race, didn't he? Um, there really wasn't that much to talk about in the sprint race at all. We're all trying to remember the sprint race now, aren't we? Uh, who even finished second? I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> who finished second in the sprint race? I watched race? it. But I was slightly delirious at the time. But from what I remember, it was one of those clear-cut, you knew what was going to happen kind of deals, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah, was, it was all Stappen... sorted. The gaps were established very early on in the race, and not much happened after that. Verstappen's aggressive defence into Turn 1, um, you know, sort of saw him off. Um, and, you know, he was, was fine from then on. I mean, this the sprint was probably the worst sprint of the season. But when you think about it, uh, Verstappen made a comment saying, well, what's the point? Because you know you're just going to get the same result tomorrow. And to be honest, he wasn't far off because the um, the top four in the sprint were Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc, Norris. The top four on track in the in the Grand Prix before the disqualifications was Verstappen, Hamilton, Norris, signs. So there you go. Uh, three of the same four drivers and the other one being from the same constructor. Yes, but... There was a lot more behind it than just that, like those top four finishing. Like there was a good run from Perez. Like the uh, watching the gap come down between Max and Lewis was good. Uh, I don't know what. Uh, Talk about the Grand Prix here, I assume. Yeah, yeah, the Grand Prix. Yeah, but I don't know what um, Leclerc thought he was on about with. We need to talk about it after the race, mate. You were four seconds slower than your teammate. Well, I, I think. The issue being with that was they made the move to swap signs and Leclerc and Norris was always out of reach. But this is the thing. I, Perez got Leclerc. Would Perez have got signs if he was defending for Leclerc? Well, I think signs defend a lot better than Leclerc did the race because Leclerc's defense, in my opinion, was a shambles all race. He barely tried to defend from Norris and Hamilton. The only person he actually tried to defend from was Verstappen, which made no sense because Verstappen was always going to go by him, whether it took him an extra lap or not. Was Leclerc not on? Did not Leclerc one stop though? Leclerc um, one stopped in the Grand Prix. That's why no, he, he two defend. stopped. I think no, he one stopped in the actual Grand Prix. He one stopped, which is why he wasn't defending it because he said it was it was preservation of tire life. It was his race, but his race was not ruining his tires in a battle. I thought every I thought everybody got off the. Yeah, I the think everyone two stops. Because it was shit. I think the yeah. last one, how done out was Ricardo, wasn't he? Like, he pitted really late. I think he was one of the last ones on it. Uh, well, like, the last person to pit was our um, fastest lap point holder from this weekend. Yuki Tsunoda. Yes, he was, actually. 
we'll get on to his drive because great weekend for him. But yeah, uh, oh, maybe he didn't want to stop. But he, he no, was... I'm pretty sure everyone two stopped. You see, um, because I'm sure there was a radio message from Leclerc at one point screaming in just just anguish at how his um how his team had you know left him for dead with a uh, with terrible strategy again. Charles Leclerc was the only finisher of the race to have only stopped once. And was completely hung out to dry by the fact that he was put on a one stop strategy. I apologise to him. I apologise. I just uh, thought I'd look it up. When he got passed by the people that he was being passed by, he was racing them, but he wasn't racing them in that moment. It was all about the long game for him. But two things, Tim, I'm going to say here. One, didn't really work anyway because he got disqualified. Two, how can you call first to sixth a success? It wasn't a success. I, I, I never said it was a success. I was giving you a reason that he didn't defend in when he was passed between stop one and stop two for the others. Because he knew yeah. they all had to stop again, but he still ended up behind them, which <laughs> shows how bad a strategy it was. But that's the reason he didn't defend it. Yeah, but I think they all kind of figured out midway through that that one stop strategy was going to be a bit bit of shit obviously not ferrari because ferrari are like top strategists of the game especially with ferrari's tire wear as well ferrari's tire wear is the worst tire wear of those top four teams probably most consistently yeah but i'm not being funny after like 20 something laps stevie wonder could have saw that the one stop strategy was bad yet people that are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars pounds euros whatever money they have in Italy, um, still can't <laughs> still can't figure it out. Luigi's. Um. They're, they're, paid, they're, they're paid in dominoes. And then uh, if you get to 100 dominoes, it's a... Uh, a, a good oh, strategy? A bit of Pizza Express, maybe? I don't know. Express. Right, let's, let's move on because we always rip on Ferrari. And they're, <laughs> yeah, they we, are, it is very low-hanging fruit, but still. Always... Yeah, there's another team who thought about a one-stop and it cost them potentially a win on track. Here's the problem, because I'm not going to go on about the one-stop, because there were lots of things that went wrong in Hamilton's race, including the fact that he had excessive wear on the other side of his car, which led him to get disqualified. You can go, oh yeah, he locked up, he lost three seconds there, and that's where you know he could have caught, he could have caught Norris two laps earlier, um, which probably would have seen him catch Verstappen. But the biggest there are two big issues that you know really bug me because we've all you know we all like Hamilton we all like the British drivers here in this podcast but his team we cut Mercedes too much slack for all their success that they've had in the past if Mercedes were Italian we'd be abusing them right now we'd abuse them like we'd abused Ferrari their strategy calls have been slow and indecisive all season long and the pit stops are, are just inexcusable uh, you know, Hamilton, 3.4 and 3.6 yesterday. You look at every team's average across the season. This takes away the, you know, the worst pit stop from this average. This does, because, of course, you get the outlier. Average pit stops this season, Red Bull, 2.6. McLaren, 2.8. Ferrari is a 2.9. Mercedes, average pit stop this season is a 3.1 second stop. On average, they lose half a second in every pit stop to Red Bull across the season. Drew Barrymore has been proven that she can do a better job. I don't know. I saw the video. It was very slow. She got that tyre off absolutely fine, in my opinion, compared to when I was watching Hamilton's front right. 
Um, you, I mean, said about, you said about the indecisiveness of the strategy. Do you think that the strategy team at Mercedes are complacent or got complacent when they were winning? Because whatever 100%. strategy they did, they they would win for that five, six years in the 20 teams. 100%. I think they're completely complacent. I feel like they think because they're Mercedes and they've got themselves out of holes before and they've got come back and they've won races, et cetera, et cetera, across the season where they shouldn't have won races. You know, they've always been able to find a way, apart from this season because they haven't won a race yet. We're coming up to Brazil. We know how good they are in Brazil. It's complacency. You're, you're 100% right, Tim. It's not good enough from one of the best teams in, in Formula 1, one of these teams that's charging at the front. We take the mick out of Ferrari constantly. Why aren't we doing the same as Mercedes? I know it's, we don't really well, get too much aggro on the radio from the drivers, but is that it? But I think we have criticised them before, maybe not as much with the strategy calls and stuff like that. Like we did like at the start of the season and stuff where like we really called them for being so far behind, like like shit and all that sort of stuff. And I think we have called them on um, doing like shit strategy calls like in the past. But yeah, I, I think you're right. We haven't called them out nearly as much as what we've called out Ferrari for it. But one thing I, one thing I will say about Mercedes is it does look like that car is getting better. Whether it's it's getting better or Red Bull are just like, okay, let's just turn the car down now because we've won everything. There's no need to to fuck shit up. But it generally to me looks like it is getting better. As a Mercedes fan, I'm then worried that the works car is getting outdriven by someone that we supply engines to. So I'm not I'm not really that confident about it. Yeah, McLaren are trouncing them. They're a works team, Mercedes. McLaren are a customer team. Now, what what way you look at it, they are being absolutely trounced by McLaren. And um, Mercedes one that, second in the constructors and McLaren. On, on recent, no, on recent form, Tim. On oh, recent on, form. On, re, on recent form, Lando is trouncing them. I know, I know, Oscar got Piastri, the sprint win the other week. No, Piastri's been exceptional too. I mean, he's had one bad weekend. Well, let's face it. The retirement was not his fault this week. But if you take away, I know it was Mercedes' fault, but the double retirement last week, I would have said that Russell could have finished second in Qatar if he hadn't been crashed into at the start. Think about his recovery drive and the pace he showed. I, I don't <laughs> think in terms of the car they have, they're being trounced. I, I now think it is a case of strategy and maybe even... That is my point, to be honest. No, I think I think Lewis Hamilton the last um, since Singapore um, with the except well Singapore, Japan I thought he was all right, but they weren't great. And, I mean, it's really fluctuating because I think the races that we've seen this race and and Singapore have been probably Lewis Hamilton's best two races, along with Brazil last year. So that they've been his best three races since that controversial loss of title of the title. I know, man. I, I I'm just getting so frustrated by. The, the worst thing is that there's always excuses being made for Mercedes by the pit crew, uh, sorry, by the commentary team on Sky. And it really is driving me nuts because I, I'm i watching them going, they're going, oh, sh- should they have pulled Hamilton in like two laps earlier? Should they have done that? Well, you know they should have pulled him in two laps earlier. But more to the point, you're constantly covering up the slow stop after slow stop after slow stop. I, I mean, it's just, I just can't stand it. I mean, even when Williams were trash at the back of the grid, they could still put together a good pit stop. 
Yeah, so the, so the Williams argument is that Williams had to have perfect pit stops because of their car to have a chance of getting anything. And maybe that meant that they knew that pit stops were more important to them. But I, I, as I said earlier, it is, it is a complacency thing and it's almost a hangover of when they were successful and when they didn't have to care as much about strategy, about pit stops. And yeah, it's something that if the cars do get closer together across the next year or two, because who knows what's going to happen in 2026 with the new rule set. But say we come to 2025 and everything is as close as it was in 2021, but you've got three or four teams there. Those half a second pit stops that are going to cost you third place or fourth place on a race weekend will cost you a podium. They could cost you race wins. They could cost you titles. They could cost you sponsorship and advertising revenue. And and it's something that they are really going to have to work on across the coming months and especially going into the new season. Yeah, Man, it's just, it, I think it's just frustrating because as someone who, you know, I, I've always, you know, backed Mercedes since they took Hamilton on because you backed the British drivers and they took George Russell on and you back him because of that. They're not my team. McLaren's my favourite team. You know, if Sainz was still in McLaren, I'd be still on cloud nine, but he's not. He's gone to Ferrari. You know, he's, he's, he's won some races since he's been there, so I can't complain too much. But from the competition point of view, that's where it really hurts me because you've got nothing happening. You know, oh, Red Bull win again, Red Bull win again. And who's going to challenge them? Well, you look at McLaren, you go, okay, maybe McLaren, but they always they always just seem like they're cursed and they're never going to win a race with Lando Norris. You know, it's, it's getting to that point. They are, they are the team that is two steps forward, one step back. But every time Red Bull consistently takes two steps forward and doesn't lose anything. That's a big thing. Red Bull are so consistent. And if you're going to be a well-oiled machine that can come back and and beat someone, you look at Mercedes because Mercedes did it. They were so out of that title fight in 2021. They were completely... When, when you went into Bahrain and they changed the regulations to hurt the, the high-rate cars like Mercedes and Aston Martin, they fought so hard to overcome that. When Red Bull outdeveloped them and you came back after the summer and you thought, uh-oh, there's some real trouble here. Like Red Bull could just walk this. They fought and they fought and they got inside. I mean, you saw Verstappen, you know, he was crumb- He was cracking under the pressure. No matter what you say, you about him win the title. He was cracking under the pressure. He was great checking Hamilton and everything. And Mercedes has shown they can come back. It feels like they've had one thing go wrong and now they and that's distracted from everything else. Yeah, I do think maybe, and, and we've seen it working with Williams this year. Are they struggling to replace James Vowles potentially? I think so. In in his role, is is it is it something that they need? Do they need to look at a poach from another team who is getting the strategy right, or do they need to look to another brand of Mercedes Motorsport to see if they can get a strategist from somewhere? Um, well, I mean, so maybe maybe someone to plug the gap but I, I think it I think it almost has to be someone external didn't, I'm, I'm pretty sure did they not make the move half and through the season to bring back James Allison into a more track side role a more track side role but he's still on the technical side isn't he I didn't think, he, was I think he, he was moved to technical director yeah and it, in my opinion that's worked because the car has got better 
But yeah. the strategic side, I think you're completely right. I think they have failed to replace James Fowles, and they they should absolutely be looking outside of their own organisation to find someone. I mean, you look at what Ferrari did when they when they did improve their strategy. They took the girl from Hass. Yeah, yeah. And look around. Been... Um, look at someone who's lower down who's doing a good job, and take them. Yeah, and speaking of um, the females in the strategy department, Hannah Schmidt got it spot on again yesterday. There were some nervous minutes for her, but the way round that they put the tyres of going medium, medium hard rather than the other way around, arguably one max the race at the end. Because yeah, no, he just she's... had enough with those struggling brakes. If, if he's on medium tyres that are wearing under those brakes, does he slide off the track a bit more? Does he over? Does he have to brake a bit harder if he's getting better traction out of the corners and going down the straight? Like it's the wear on the car. He 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 was on the right tyres at the right time again to get himself over the line. Yeah, I completely. I think she does a fantastic job. We haven't really mentioned her, I don't think, much on the well, podcast. No, we, we she, haven't. She, and she, she, we should this do. Because she doesn't do anything wrong. <laughs> she doesn't cause us to the thing, and she's brilliant. I think that's the thing, when you when you are the media. I mean, even though we're, you know, not professional, we're still the media in a sense. The media focuses on the bad things, so which is why we're, I'm, I'm drabbing on about how frustrated I am with Mercedes this season. It, it's because when someone does something well, it doesn't... Doesn't really sell as well, but yeah, you know what? Well, Anna Schmidt, and, and to be honest, yeah, I'm gonna say this. Well, done, Fun Academy because that was, you know, some. It was entertaining this weekend. You know, watching it, I was that entertained. Was, that, was a, that was a quick jump. Um, yeah, congratulations well, we about, to Marta Garcia. Yeah, congratulations to Marta Garcia. Um, you know, and well done, F1 Academy because I was thoroughly entertained this this weekend watching those races. I yeah, thought it was brilliant. Um, it was very entertaining. Um, I had a uh, friend staying with me this weekend. She's not really watched much F1 before. And she was more entertained by the F1 Academy than we were by the sprint race, <laughs> which um, showed, showed how showed how entertaining a series it was. And the W Series was that as well for a few races. And well done to Marta Garcia, especially um, becoming the first W Series champion. And I really, really hope that even even an F3 team, an F3 team, give her a decent ride. This is what you're designed to do now. The idea of this F1 Academy with sponsorship from the F, the 10 F1 teams that it's going to be from next season, and a lot of them are already there already. The interest from the main drivers, you had Lewis Hamilton, Esteban Ocon, George Russell, all watching on from the pit wall. I'm sure there were one, I think Valtteri Bottas was down there. Yeah, the, I mean, was, the only one who actually went over to see them was Lewis Hamilton. They made some comments about that, saying that Lewis gets what it's like to be a minority in, in Formula One. Um, so you know, the other drivers need to, you know, jump in support. But again, back to what I was saying, it's actually been a, a really strong week for, for women in motorsport. Of course, Jamie Chadwick is... Um, has re-signed for another season of NXT over in America. Um, and you and, had uh, Jessica Hawkins as well driving, um, I know it was a few years ago now, she drove a 2021 Aston Martin around Hungary. Um, uh, Bianca Bustamante has joined the McLaren de- uh, Driver Development Programme. Yeah, it's, it, it's really good to see. And I hope that the sponsorship of the F1 teams and actually, I, I just hope there is now a pathway Maybe out of even if it's out of F1 Academy and into 
European Formula 4, regional Formula 4, regional Formula 3, and then eventually, obviously, up to F3 and F2 that travel with the F1 circus for most of the year. It's just I just hope that this redevelopment of the system will give them the groundwork because because they do need to integrate. I, I don't think uh, women's theories on a par with an F2 is the way to go as proof of the W theories. Yeah, well, this, this is it. I mean, I mean you look at... Um... Uh, of course, one other thing I forgot to talk about, um, Jessica Edgar, of course, won the uh, won the final race of the um, uh, was it the final race of the season? She won, well, she won, yeah. she won, you know, uh, got her first victory, and it's you know, congratulations to her. It's been you know fantastic. But uh, when you look at it, next season, F1 Academy starts in Saudi Arabia. You know, it's huge. It's it's because the thing is also these women are going to be role models. Yeah, they'll be racing on the same day as the Formula One race because both races are going to be on the Saturday because Saudi Arabia Grand Prix is on the Saturday night. Yeah, because of um because of Ramadan. And this thing it's become a lot more inclusive, um, Formula One and and most brought in terms of, you know, those involved in the teams and in and in the race weekend on track. So long may that continue. But was Saudi the race that the W series didn't make it to in twenty twenty one or was that another circuit? Sure, it was a Middle Eastern race that it folded before, so that'll almost be like the uh, completion of the circle if it is. Because it was at the end of the season that they fell apart in 2021, wasn't it? They didn't complete their season. Well, they ran out of funding and um, money. Yeah. But that's I think that's where it's, it's good that you know it's more stable now. Um, Can we mention the Aston Martins race? Unbelievable well, recovery drives. I mean, it's a lot easier to race when you completely change your car setup specifically for the race based on what you've learned in the last three sessions so i wouldn't say unbelievable recovery drive i'd say expected recovery drive from the team that is what third in the championship fourth in the championship yeah so um given their recent results um a double points finish it was it wasn't a double it wasn't a double points finish because alonso retired oh it was alonso retired now but all right then let's go with lance stroll especially given recent performances and recent race weekend um after the penalty, it is pit lane to seventh. With after think, the, after the penalties for the for Hamilton and Leclerc, it, it was pit lane to ninth. It's now pit lane to seventh. Um, a, a remarkable recovery, given he's been so far off the pace and so far out of the game for the last few races, regardless of your car setup. Yeah, I was going to say I count up the car setup. I'd also counter it with the fact that he was slower than Alonso, slower than Alonso, who went back to driving the old spec Aston Martin. He was slower than Alonso, who went back to driving the old spec Aston Martin. But Alonso went to the old spec Aston Martin because he said he couldn't drive the new spec. Stroll was within a few seconds, a second or two of Alonso before Alonso retired. He was right on his way through the field, which he hasn't been for a long, long time. I don't know. It felt, it felt almost irrelevant because um, going back to my uh, what my intro was, I, I, I got so excited and so ashamed by my accent. Um, I forgot to announce that Logan Sargent has scored points in a Formula One race. Yeah, he has done. We'll give him a round of applause. Well done, Logan. <laughs> he finally got there. He got there before Nick DeVries, except for he didn't get there before Nick DeVries because Nick DeVries did it in a Williams before him. <laughs> Genuinely, he was one place behind Albon. Throughout the race, his pace was good. He, he, he actually closed the gap to Albon in the final stint when they were both on the uh, hard tyres. Uh, brilliant for Logan. Well done, Logan. Um, 
they actually it was really telling what they said to him on the in-lap because I went I was watching a video today where it was F1 put out a video with all of the radios as they crossed the finish line and James Bowers came on the radio second time we mentioned him in this uh, podcast um, and he said that is exactly what we want from you and this was when he'd finished 12th he said you're right behind Alex you struggled at the start of the weekend you listened to what we said and you've learned from it and you've got faster and faster as the weekend and then the race has gone on and to hear that kind of constructive constructive compliments from your team boss and from your race engineer and and even at finishing 12th they were all happy with the job that he'd done Mm. which again and I know he had the retirement in Qatar but going back to Singapore and Suzuka he was so far off the pace that they were just saying right we'll review it when you get there it when you get back to us I'm gonna say I will never have any problems with him not finishing that race in Qatar Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, I don't think anybody. On on reflection, he was the, the the bravest man in the room to do that. It wasn't the driver who stayed out. It was him for doing that. But yeah, but yeah, he was. It, it, it's it's really really positive for him, and hopefully, it gives him some confidence going into the last set of races. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're gonna have to get back on to the uh, the real talking point of the race. Um, but before we do, I mean, we all know the elephant in the room was that Hamilton and Leclerc were later disqualified from the race after their their cars were inspected by the scrutineers. Um, the other two cars inspected, or the four random ones, were Verstappen and Norris. Um, knock-on effects of this, one being it was it turned what was a bad weekend for Alfa Romeo and Huss into a terrible weekend for Alfa Romeo and Huss because it, the extra three points of Williams, but 10 points ahead of Alfa Romeo in the Constructors' Championship, and uh, the bonus two points that Sonoda got, or oh, sorry, bonus three points Sonoda got, have put Alfa Tauri just two points behind Haas. Yeah. That's Which... the implication of millions. And this brings me on to this next point. The two cars being disqualified could have huge financial implications on Alfa Romeo and Haas going into next season. So we're talking millions here. So when we're talking millions, you have to wonder why can't the FIA stretch a little bit further to hire the people required to scrutiny the entire grid? Because if you are inspecting four random cars and 50% of those cars are falling foul of a very basic very black and white regulation. Can, can we point How, out as well safety regulation? At sa- yeah, safety regulation as well, yeah. How can you then go, hmm, yeah, it's only those two. Uh, we won't check the rest, especially for something like, you know, the underfloor plank. It's so obvious. It's so easy to check. It's a case of, hmm, get a tape measure out. All right, that's the size of it. Okay, that's too small. Okay, disqualified. Why can you not do that with all cars that take part? How much more money, time and effort does it really take to check a few basic fundamentals? And if you want to take four random cars for extreme scrutineering, I get that. But the basics, you know, the things that center around safety, check every car for it. I fully agree. Um, You have. So I'm going to use the American, we were in America, American example, NASCAR will have a very basic checklist that every car will have to pass after the race. 
And if they don't pass them, they're disqualified. And then they will pick usually a, a, a few cars, maybe two or three cars from two or three different teams or one from each manufacturer in NASCAR as it is. And they would uh, then take those cars and break them down a lot more. So which for any parts. And then if you fall foul of that, your teammates can be scrutinized in the next race as one of the ones that break down, get broken down. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, everyone has this basic checklist of check the weight, check this, check that. But, you know, basic things around safety being that, you know, the, uh, the the plank it should be so easy to check. I mean, check the DRS slot on every car because that should open so far. You know, the things that are really quick and easy to check, check on every car. Maybe we because... need to start uh, issuing some of these million pound fines to be, to be able to afford uh, all your scrutineering, Reese. <laughs> That's ridiculous as well. I mean, Kevin Magnuson said it perfectly. Yeah, you can give this, you can give this fine to some drivers, and they will pay it off and not be happy about it. You pay, you make me pay this fine, I will disappear off the face of the earth. Yeah, we're we're not getting into that tonight because we do need to wrap this up. <laughs> we do need to wrap this up. Um, until we'll be able to talk about it at another point. Um, we're going down to Mexico, so if we're talking about people who have got um. A lot of money to spare to pay off their drivers' fines. Uh, the uh, the backer of Sergio Perez could easily pay a million pound fine. Can, can he? Can he, uh, fine. Can, can he pay him to keep him in a seat though? That's, well, that's that's the question. That's the big question. Does the home crowd? We'll wrap this up with this question. Does the home crowd give Sergio Perez the energy he needs to finally bounce back and show some form? I hope so for his sake. Somebody's got to give it to him, ain't they? Yeah, if, if he can't do it there, then yeah. where can he do it? Yeah, just give him the Barcelona spec car. <laughs> well, no, it that might be worse if it's not finished. Or if he wants it, give him it, you know. He's <laughs> his home race. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm hopeful for, for Perez. I just feel like the home crowd could lift him. I feel like that's what he needs because everywhere he's been, it feels like he's become almost a meme. If Verstappen hadn't won that race yesterday with a wounded car, we'd be asking where was his teammate in yeah. a car that wasn't broken. And it came very close to on track, at least, Verstappen not winning that race, and he was nowhere on track. Yeah, I, I Perez had to fight back from further down, but the result of that is putting up a poor qualifying. So, yeah. But yeah, whether you back Perez to bounce back or not, um, surely you have to be a fan of uh, legendary tracks, you know, staying in Formula One, like Spa, of course, being extended. Um, and if you like Spa a lot, why not celebrate Spa with some 3D printed track wall art from our podcast sponsor, Apex Tracks. For all your 3D printed track wall art needs, head to apextracks.com. That's A-P-E-X-T-R-A-X-S dot com. Well done, Reese. Well done. Fucked up the uh, the intro, but not the actual sponsorship. So there we go. <laughs> also got some news in there because I'm good. Um, anyway, good news. <laughs> anyway, uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Check out the link in the bio if you want to hear more. Um, I've updated the link so it's actually correct because uh, there's been a typo in it, which has been hilarious that we've not noticed for ages. Um, so yeah, if you've been trying to click on the link and it's not worked. Uh, try again now because it should on uh, on this podcast and I'm sure um, Tim 
will be able to go back and fix everything. And if it hasn't gone back and fixed everything, it's all Tim's fault and no one else's, we promise. <laughs> um, so it's definitely not then, my fault. I, I didn't even know. Like, it's definitely, all, it's all Tim. Nothing to do with me. Entirely Tim's fault. Um, but until next time, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Until then, cheerio, guys. Bye. See you later, guys.